0: Okay. Well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is a chat with Hank and I'm Hank Multala. As a veteran-owned business, we like to reach out to others who deliver and support business solutions and and who have a willingness to share insights and ideas with the investment community, especially when the solutions are what I would call industry leading and and really approach uh, challenging issues with structure and an attention to detail. So today I have a a chance to chat <clears throat> with Shauna Mace, uh, founder of Shauna Mace Consulting. Uh, she partners with firms and individuals to develop uh, holistic business growth plans and, and project-based engagements, really by using uh, marketing and technology and processing uh, and the people at the firms to deliver the best results. So Shauna, uh, thanks for taking some time out the chat today.
1: Thank you, Hank. I'm excited to be here with you.
0: Well, I'm glad you could, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're willing to do this. Uh, yeah, so before before we get into your company, um, initially, I always prefer to start off on a, on a little bit of a personal note. Looking at your background, you've had a, a great deal of success and experience in, in marketing and communications, relationship management, sales coaching, and a list goes on and on. What prompted you to say, you know, my services are better suited if I, if I just launch my own firm?
1: Well, it's funny. So I have been in financial services for 15 years. And frankly, I didn't intend to ever be in financial services. Um, I graduated with a degree in political science and I I started at an RA in in an RA firm. And uh, really, I think I drank the RA Kool-Aid. I was there for eight years and after almost eight years, I joined an asset management firm, and I just I learned so much from amazing marketing and salespeople and really kind of understood what is possible around growth, around using marketing and sales. And I was just really excited and inspired to go back to working with financial advisors and taking that knowledge and helping them apply some of these basic practices into their firms to help grow. Uh, their businesses. And a lot of it just comes down to, you know, there's this, I think this gap in mm-hmm. knowledge a sales knowledge in the industry. So I'm really excited to to be back working more closely with financial advisors, especially RAs and helping them get confident and clear around how to bring their business to the next level.
0: Right. Well, it's, it's funny that it's an accidental uh, business that you went into. I did the same. I, I hear that story more often than not that people... <laughs> Uh, i I've never intended to get into this business, but just so uh, we can all be on the same page, and specifically your page, uh, can you provide us a brief overview of your firm and, and what the overall focus and the objective is?
1: So I am a business consultant specializing in sales. I work with financial advisors, asset managers, and businesses and financial services. And what I do is I really have a pretty um, kind of step-by-step process in how I help These different my different clients take action, take the next best action towards their goals. So a lot of times it's, you know, developing plans and tools to help them make progress. But it's also helping them build the confidence and clarity that they need to actually take action. Because, you know, what I find is really the belief that that growth or that progress is possible and taking that action toward towards your goals is really the most important part of any sort of plan. Like you can have the best strategy and tactics, but if you don't believe it's possible, then it's going to be difficult to to kind of see it through. So it's really about getting a plan, um, kind of making it make sense for the business, and then helping them really gain confidence around their ability to make progress. Hmm. Okay. So
0: you're a growth consultant specifically focused in areas of uh, sales processes and and I would call it enablement. So, what does the industry needs? Why does the industry need so much help and and guidance and advice? Is it is it avoidance? Is it uncertainty? Is it fear? What's your What's your perspective on this on this challenge that uh, practices and individuals face?
1: Well, so I think in general there are really there are three reasons why advisors or business owners aren't growing. Uh, one, and if I go from like Kind of the least to the most uh, impactful so one is they don't have a plan like you wake mm-hmm. up in the morning and you you don't really know what you know you want to grow you know you envision having this f- practice in the future but you really don't have any plan to get there so there's no plan um two is busyness so we're just mm-hmm. we're all too busy you know it's if it's not something you enjoy or not something that you're necessarily good at then it, hard to find time to do the things that you need to do to grow. And then third, and I would say probably the most common, even though it's the thing that no one really talks about, is just fear. Like there's some emotional blocks around growth, whether it's fear of uh, looking silly or fear of doing something outside of your comfort zone um, or even fear of success or growth. It's like, well, if I grow, then I'm going to be busier and I'm going to have to hire more people and that's going to be hard and I'm not, I'm going to have even less of a work-life balance, but I really do think that some of these emotional blocks that again no one really talks about, um, are typically some of the, the, the most impactful reasons why people aren't focused on development or sales or aren't really like, they're not all in, like they're, they're kind of like, yeah, we need to do it, but they're, they're really, they're not committed. They haven't made the decision. And, um, Having a plan and figuring out how to manage your time are really helpful strategies to make progress. But at the end of the day, you have to, again, believe that it's possible and be willing to step outside of your comfort zone and do some things that might not feel natural. Sure. But it's all I mean, they can all be learned. Right. These are these are skills. Right. And that, that's how we grow.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned. I know. I heard the words plan and procedures. And as an engineering by education, um, you know, myself, I enjoy processes and procedures. And and from our discussions, I know that that's a passion that that we both share. And that there's a you know a formality behind the process, and at times you know a simplicity. So you spent years at an RIA firm, and 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 then a fast growing asset manager. And I think you were managing uh, about two and a half dozen sales territories. Can you go over? I don't know, four or five things that should be in place to implement a quality sales process?
1: Absolutely. I am like you, and I do love process. And I do feel like that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is so much of sales is like there's the art and the science. And the science part, Like no matter how good or bad you are at the sales skill or the art, anyone can can do the science part, which is the process, and which is why I love uh, sales process. So So four or five things to implement a quality process. I mean, one, I would say definitely having clear and measurable goals is essential. Like you have to know what you're trying to accomplish. Two is have a clear clarity around who your ideal target audience is. Um, That's really important because that should inform what the sales process looks like, depending on what they need in order to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Three, I would say super important is define the steps of your process. So whether you have, and again, simple, simpler, the better. So if you have um, three steps to five steps, whatever it is, just make sure you define exactly what qualifies someone to be at each stage in the sales process. So, for example, it could be um, unqualified. You don't know much about them. They have reached out to you via your website. They're unqualified. This next step is to qualify them. So the next step could be to be a qualified prospect. Um, the next step could be that you have you've qualified them by meeting with them and you had a just conversation, and now you are going to send a proposal. And so you're enabling them, you're giving them some information to help them make a decision. Then it could the next one could be um, won or lost. Now that's an example of what a sales process could look like. It's important that especially if you have a team or if you're using a system like a CRM like Salesforce um, you want to, you want to actually kind of educate on what those are too. So everyone's using it the same way, because if you aren't using your process the same way, if people don't understand what milestones are, are need to be met in order to be in a certain stage, then the data you have is not going to be, is not going to be useful. So again, defining your stages is really important. Mm -hmm. And then, For, I would say, having alignment with marketing and for advisors, you you likely don't have a marketing team, um, but you may have somebody or maybe you that is responsible for marketing and understanding the sales process is really helpful to inform how can marketing support, support the process. So depending on, again, looking at your stages, what marketing efforts, communications, what pieces do we need to develop in order to support progress through the pipeline, through your sales process?
0: Right. Okay.
1: And then so, say, there's oh, one sorry, more. Last, <laughs> that's last, right. Last but that's not great. least. And this is actually one that not, a lot of people don't think about as sales, but I argue is a huge part of sales is uh, having a quality sales process includes having a client service model. Okay. So once someone becomes a client, there's still this next step in the sales process that in my opinion um so once they become a client you won them you the next step would be develop developing them as an advocate because that's again the the largest driver of growth in 2020 according to investment news uh, investment news research study was growth through referrals of both clients and professional referrals so if you aren't Once you win someone as a client, if you don't have a client service model and you aren't trying to nurture that client to help you grow in the future, you're missing a huge opportunity. So make sure that you include a client service model as part of your sales process.
0: Yeah. If, if you get rid of that client service model at the end, you've done all that work before, you know, measuring goals and target audience and marketing and sales process. And all of a sudden you you neglect the client service model and you're basically starting from scratch because you're going to lose the client probably in a couple of years, which, um, right. which is, a, uh, I understand the importance of that. So I think for this discussion, uh, one area that I would like to focus on is the sales process itself. And uh, I've heard you state that doing nothing is never a good growth strategy and if your experience is is like mine, clients just sometimes want to be told what to do. It's it's a strategy, but not really a good one. So, what's the foundation of the conversation you lead off with? What what you know? What couple of things should should they do?
1: So, you know, when it comes to to growing, I mean, the first there's really three essential things. Um, I really basic things that no matter who I'm working with, no matter what their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish. I always start with these three things and it's getting again, clear around goals. What, what do you want to accomplish? And goals could be traditional goals, AUM or revenue goals. They could also be other things as well. Like it may be, I want to have better work life balance. I want to grow with the right type of clients. Um, So there's lots of different goals, but definitely be clear on what your goals are. Uh, The second thing is define who is going to help you get there. And by who, I mean, who is your ideal client profile? And you could have more than one. It does not need to be a niche. That's like a hot topic. Right, right. niches, Niches are great, but they're not absolutely necessary. But having clarity around who your ideal target audience is, is, is important. And that's important because you really want to define what their needs are and how your solutions or your approach are addressing those needs. That's really kind of the value, not just defining who they are in saying they're doctors, but it's like, what about doctors? What are the specific needs of doctors and how are you addressing them?
0: Right. Okay. So then
1: Oh, go okay, ahead. The, the third, there's one more. The third is just understanding the resources that you have. Um, so, again, I believe that growth and development, you shouldn't be, you, you have a day job, right? Whatever your, right. your job is, you should not be adding a bunch of new expectations on yourself. Like, start with what you have, and that might be your values, that might be your skill set, your strengths. Um, It could be tangible resources like technology, CRM. Maybe you do have a marketing system. Great. Uh, Maybe you do have access to content. Great. Maybe you like to write or do a podcast, whatever it is, like define and understand where you're, what you have to start with and and start there.
0: Okay. So with, with that, can you uh, obviously, can you give us an example of, of uh, you know, what you've done for, for others?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have a, a great example because so I have a client named, his name's Jack and he's an uh, advisor. He's also an uh, a CPA. So he's also an accountant and he does tax preparation. Mm-hmm. And he came to me and he was like, okay, so Shana, I need help. I really need help with my social media strategy. And I said, okay, well, let's again, let's start with the essentials here. What are your goals? Who are you trying to, who, who are you trying to get there? with those to those goals with and what resources do you have and as i learned more about jack and his practice it was very clear to me that social media was probably not the place he wanted to start to grow okay and his goal his goals were to grow to increase his number of financial planning clients and so for many reasons he you know he was using a marketing he was subscribed to a marketing platform where he had curated content, which is great. And he could do social, but he really had very few followers and very little engagement. And he had some other really great skill sets and knowledge sets that he, especially around some of the tax planning and he was focused. He actually really wanted to focus on business owners. And so what we did is we said, okay, well, instead of going to social to try to find new clients that way, let's start with your existing clients and some of your, especially he had a pretty large group of, of clients that were really using him only for tax preparation. And let's see if we can try to engage with them and um, really deepen the relationship and expand it so that they're doing more than just tax, pre- tra- tax preparation with you. And so we, you know, we've developed some content, some key tools that help address their needs as business owners and he's using his, the systems that he already had to re-engage with these, these clients. And he's um, he has been able to engage with some clients in new ways, which is really exciting. And he's actually starting to realize like, okay, I have something pretty unique here. Right. And, and he's kind of looking even to the future and how he can continue to evolve his services, and we'll talk about this, I think, a little later, but into more of like a service-based model. So right. there's some really cool things. Again, this started with, I want to do more on social. And again, looking at like what he wanted to accomplish and his target audience and the resources he had, it was it was pretty clear to both of us that that was probably not the right approach. Right, um, right. So that kind of gives you an example of, you know, you got to start with those those key three things to figure out what really makes sense.
0: Right. And well, it's nice that you took plan. some what he was already using, some things that seemed to work, and just you kind of sharpen it but instead of just saying, "Hey, let's throw everything out and and start all over again." And you know, just figure out where some of your strengths are and let's incorporate that into into the process, which is great. Right. Um, yeah. So one of the most important areas of, of sales, obviously, is lead generation. You know, the old saying, "If you're not if you're not growing, you're dying." On the process side, what does a what does a practice need to do to generate leads with I would say the greatest possibility of conversion and and ultimately, you know, to continue their growth.
1: That's a great question. Everyone wants to generate more leads. I think Mm -hmm. one thing that, you know, I always would advise is just thinking about the quality of leads. You know, if you're looking to, so like when I work with a client, if we're, if we're working through goals, you know, part of it is, is sales or AUM revenue goals. Part of it is pipeline. How much do you have to have in your pipeline in order to, to, convert into a sales number that supports your growth goals. Now, that pipeline conversion, so what my assumptions based on, okay, how much are you going to actually convert if you have, say you have uh, $50 million in your pipeline, how much do you convert? That number is going to depend on where your leads are coming from. So if your leads are coming from, if you're targeting growing through your existing practice or professional COI relationships, centers of Mm -hmm. influence, then your conversion rate is going to be higher because these are very warm leads. They've been teed up for you. If you are doing, um, you know, advertising, let's say like Facebook advertising or Google advertising and, or generating leads via content, the, the conversion rate going to be lower because they're coming to you because of some, some value you're putting out there that they care about, but you have a lot, it's a lot harder journey to get them to become a client. And so Again, going back to like the three essential things, how you go out there to generate leads really it starts with what do you want to accomplish? Like, mm-hmm. is it is it quality over quantity? Is it quantity over quality? Like, are you trying to target a specific type of client? Um, are you trying to target very large clients? Or are you looking to target smaller clients such as, you know, say families that are like in their 30s and 40s versus ultra high net worth? retirees the approach is going to be different but again it really all comes back to who are you trying to target Mm -hmm. and be so the things the the tips i would give would be to um it's going to sound silly but lead with needs Mm -hmm. so what are their needs what are their the things that are that are important to them or they may be in need of and try to provide some value around those things and then also be where they are. So the, again, sounds obvious, but if um, if you're targeting families in their 30s and 40s, you know what it what is going to be your best chance of getting in front of those families? Again, you could be trying to get referrals. That is again the warmest lead, and that is going to be the easiest lead to convert to a client. Or maybe it is you're setting up workshops around education planning right. or around. Um, you know, the basics around investing for busy professionals, you know, I'm making that up, but be where they are. maybe that's something that you are, you are advertising or you are posting on a social media platform like Facebook Mm -hmm. uh, or like LinkedIn, um, Twitter, wherever you think they are. But again, it's, it's about leading with needs and being where they are. That's really how you start to generate lead. You have to add value out there that people want in order to get their attention and get them to engage with you and you do also want to make sure, whatever you're doing as far as marketing, that there's, there's always a next step. You're always right. leaving them something, some action to take that leads, that gives, gets them closer to a conversation with you, because that's ultimately the goal. Right,
0: right. Uh, I, I actually like that lead with needs. It's if, if you don't know what, what they actually are, what they're looking for. Then you know any marketing that you do is 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 kind of empty, uh, right? You know, and then you can bring value. So, um, can you discuss how you've worked with practices to implement a sales process uh, to assure they, I would say, effectively manage the lead flow in in the practice or in their business?
1: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and I I do a lot of this work around sales process. Um, So one of the I did a webinar actually in I guess it was August and with 20 over 10 and it was called you have a lead now what and I think that that now what is is a gap that a lot of a lot of businesses have as they get the lead and then they just kind of like well if I get to talk to them I'll I'll be able to close them and that's great but sometimes it takes effort to get the conversation started and to keep it going and so over 400 advisors to attended the webinar, which I think- We had
0: 400 attend the webinar.
1: I'm sorry, 400 Um, registered. There was about 200 that attended.
0: Well, it shows that there's a need for this. (laughs) There's definitely a
1: need. There's definitely a need. And I think that's exactly it. I was was surprised um, at how many were interested in the topic. And so how how do I work with people to implement sales process? Um, It really starts with just evaluating what they're currently doing and you know, whether they have a defined process or not, you have a process. You may not have defined it or being you may not be intentional about it. But it just starts with, like, you know, if someone comes in as a lead, what happens? And I learn about what, what happens today. And then we look for opportunities to optimize that that process. And that may be, again, defining stages mm-hmm. and defining and, and integrating it into a CRM system so that you can be transparent with your entire Team as to what's happening. Um, there was actually again the same investment news study. It was the 2020 investment news price and profitability study. There, I was shocked by the stat. There was a stat that that said um, just 37% of advisory firms actually track and share leads in their in any sort of organized way, which is crazy. So two thirds of them aren't doing that. Um, all
0: that which, all that work and they only share a third of it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Which is, is crazy to me. Um, So I was really surprised by that, but anyway, so what, you know, what we do is we start to look at what is happening now, what is their current process and how can we optimize? And, you know, I would say the things that the, the most common kind of issues that I see in, in, in implementing or formalizing a sales process is not defining stages. So not actually defining the process. They might, they're doing it. They're just not defining it. And the other one is um, kind of expecting the, there's this, there's oftentimes this misstep in the sales process. You know, you meet with someone and then there's like, like, they're not really sure what to do next. It's like, I just keep checking in or they go cold. So one tip I would give is that always leave your prospect with something tangible that, that gives them something to think about and get back to you on. Like it gives you a reason to follow up. Right. Not just like, so have you made your decision? So right. <laughs> an example of that could be a proposal or something I do in my practice is I provide a sample of what a growth plan looks like. Provide a sample of something. You have know, a sample of what uh, the first year being a client would look like mm-hmm. or a sample of your client service model or a sample of a financial plan. Or just a proposal, you know, Right. Um, right. but give them something because it's a big decision and people often need some time to think about it. And if you can help, you know, they're going to remember some small percentage of what you told them in the conversation. You can give them something that helps continue to support why you are the right partner and how you can help and what and provide some clarity around what the partnership could look like. So that it's not such a black hole or there's not so much uncertainty. Like the more you can reduce the feeling of risk for that prospect, the better. So give them something, give a proposal, a sample, whatever, but give them something so you have a reason to follow up and it helps support their decision making.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it just and it just builds on that trust and confidence that I think clients need to have that when they go into an investment relationship with someone, they they just really want to feel comfortable and they want to see the, the value that an advisor or business brings to their brings to their uh, personal life. So,
1: right. um,
0: yeah, so I'm going to kind of have you look into your crystal ball a little bit. So, but uh, no surprise that anyone you know to anyone that this industry it, it really seems to change overnight as it relates to compliance or fintech and consolidation. And, and as a result, I'm, I'm sure practices, you know, the, you know, their sales processes and growth will also shift. Uh, what do you see happening in, you know, in, in the next, I don't know, five years or, you know, and, and what could practices be doing to prepare for these changes?
1: I think the big, um, you know, who knows, right? <laughs> but we never, no one would have expected COVID. But so what do I, you know, in the next five years, I really see there being this big shift to more digital practice. I mean, obviously we're already seeing that start today, but I think, you know, in all other areas of our lives, we have technology in um, a kind of a digital ecosystem has been created in, you know, grocery shopping, any sort of shopping, engaging with in relationships, social media, like there's all in every single area of our lives, we are, gaining efficiency and it's becoming more embedded into the day to day through technology. And I think that that's, you know, that, that shift is going to eventually catch up it's already starting to in financial services. And so I think that for financial advisors, you're going to have to figure out how to, you're really going to have to figure out how to continue to add value to your clients in a way that makes sense for your clients. And so, um, I just see there being a more more integration between your relationship with your advisor into the day-to-day lives of your clients. So like, you know, you're thinking about randomly, you're like, oh man, I really want to go on this vacation. Like, can I afford to do this? And have right. there being like a more interactive way to, to ask your advisor and get some advice on some of these like day-to-day decisions that come up. Um, something happens In the house, or you're thinking about changing a job, whatever it is, and so, you know, being able to just be more responsive and provide real, you know, day to day value, I think is going to be important. The other thing is, I think we're going to continue to see a shift in, um, so not just how people interact with their advisors, but how, I think we'll see how people are bringing financial plan plans and planning to life. So, again, how do we embed it in the day to day or in the maybe not day to day, but into the more regular life and, and mindset of the clients is going to be really powerful. So you're really you're empowering your clients to be their own best advocates, but you're you're kind of the guide, the financial is the guide. And again, I think this really comes it's really a matter of technology, which enables the advisor to be more scalable and just present in um, without needing to pick up a phone or go into an office.
0: Right, right. So how are advisors uh, using technology to really not not only stay competitive, but really to stay ahead of their uh, competition and other practices?
1: So I've seen, so obviously I see a lot of different practices and, you know, I, they're all different, but I've, the ones that I've seen that I think are going to really kind of figure this out or on the right path are the ones that are, there's no right or wrong in like what tools do I use, but they are clearly defining certain processes and they are supporting those processes with technology, which just enables them to be more scalable and efficient um, and just provide better service service. And so I think advisors who are able to, to gain some efficiency through automations or workflows are going to be really well, really well set up. I think mm-hmm. Um, Other ones who can, you know, also advisors who are who are strategically outsourcing or partnering with um, with experts in different areas where they aren't an expert or they just don't have the skill set like marketing, for example. Right. Um, They're they're really finding scale. They're really kind of figuring out how to get to the next level. So there is, uh, I think, definitely through technology and then also just technology ends up supporting your people, your team. And even if you're a solopreneur, it could be, you know, supporting you. And so I've seen um, like one client in particular I'm thinking about, he's a, he it's just him and he has a really well-developed tech stack that he really developed based on the type of experience he wants to deliver to his clients. And he was very thoughtful about starting with the experience and then finding the right tools to support that. And he's kind of built this, he's built this model that, really supports his, his anyone from a prospect to a client. Um and he's able to run that pretty effect very effectively and efficiently for one person. Um so I think getting to that point just enables you to really scale without having to add more people. People are great, but they're expensive. They're so, expensive, yes. Very. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's kind of the key.
0: Great. Well, well, Shauna, I, I want to thank you again for your time today. I'm, I'm very appreciative of you, willing to to chat and providing your insights with the industry and 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 really your pledge. What I what I found out was your pledge to work with with those who are committed to change and and not just looking for how should I say it a, a quick fix. So, for those of you who are interested in learning more about how Shauna can help, you can visit her at shaunamace.com. Her blog really has some great uh, content ranging from growth and marketing to people, processes, and and mindset. And please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to chat with Hank on Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to your programs. So, Shauna, thanks once again for your time today and, and, and really sharing your thoughts with the audience.
1: Absolutely. This was fun. Thank you, Hank.
0: <laughs> thanks, Shauna. Take care.